Hi, Royals fans. This is J.J. Piccolo. The University of Kansas Health System is the official health care provider of the Kansas City Royals. Get the major league care you deserve at kansashealthsystem.com slash royals. You're listening to The Pulse with Pat Strothman on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Small town, big dreams, and a young boy the age of 15 had a premonition his city would get seen. Now I'm winning, get sheen in the city of the home of our What's up, Wichita? Happy Monday, everyone. Hope you had an excellent weekend. It seems the weather is getting warmer outside, so hopefully you get a chance to get out and about and take advantage of maybe some early spring time weather. Okay, it's not that great, but it is a nice little change of pace after what we had this past weekend. Welcome into the Pulse on Wichita Sports Leader, ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Appreciate you for tuning us in here on this wonderful Monday afternoon. If you do have to leave the car or if you get outside the listening area, which you have to go pretty far to do so, you can always stream the show. You can stream the program by going to ESPNWichita.com. There's a Listen Live link on there. It's very easy to use. It just brings brings up a separate media player. You click on that, and boom, you're dialed in to the show. You can also check out other programs if you missed the Shane Dennis show from today. If you missed any of the stuff from last week, you can always go back and find our programming, whether it's the Pulse, the Shane Dennis show, the program, or the Board Patrol. Go and check out all those different things on ESPNWichita.com, or you can find our podcast on Spotify and Apple Music. You can also stream the show by downloading the TuneIn app to your smartphone. Some people love apps. If you feel like you need another app, and that's the easiest way for you, feel free to do so. Or if you have a smart speaker at the office, at the house, tell it to tune into ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM or KKGQ. I'm Pat Strothman. Filling in for Jack Johnson is Kyle Collier. Jack is in Surprise, Arizona. He already gave a report to Shane Dennis on the Shane Dennis Show. Not going to be able to have him on here today on this program. Probably not going to be able to get him on tomorrow or Wednesday for that matter. But he is doing some important work. He just got done speaking with Matt Quatrero. He also had a chance to hear from John Sherman. He's getting some player interviews. He's getting us some sound from Surprise, Arizona. So we will sprinkle some of that in over the course of the week. Here on the show today, we do have a lot of basketball to dive into. We have KU basketball to start. Wichita State's. Wraps up a trip to uh, the Carolinas, a loss to Charlotte yesterday. Looked a little bit better for Wichita State, so we'll get into that at 225. Not only that, the Shocker baseball team off to a solid start. Softball picking up an important win, so we'll give you a Wichita State recap coming up at 225 or so. At 2.45, we'll have our Beasts of the Week. We'll take a look at some of the better individual performances from this past weekend. 
Hour number two, I told you that we would talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and really the offseason plan for Kansas City. A little bit of news already for the Chiefs here this offseason. We already know about a couple of coaches getting some contract extensions, but a player contract has also been picked up, and we'll tell you about that in hour number two. 325 or so is when we'll have that Kansas City Royals audio. Matt Cortrero is one of the guys you'll hear from today. James MacArthur being another one. Matthew Sauer will be another one. And Carter Jensen, who is a local kid in the Kansas City area, a Park Hill High School baseball standout. Jack Johnson grabbing all of that audio, and we'll get to all of that audio at 325. And then we wrap things up with the Mount Rush for Monday. Don't know if Kyle will be ready for that or not. We shall see. I am very hopeful, and I do trust him. I think he can get the job done. Kyle's been doing this a couple different times, so I know he's ready to rock and roll. If you want to reach Kyle or be a part of the show, you can call 316-669-4996, 316 Feel free to call. We don't have any guests lined up for today. So if you do want to voice your opinion by calling the show, you certainly can. We are not giving away Kansas Lottery tickets today, but we will be giving away Kansas Lottery tickets for tomorrow here on the show. The text line number, 316-247-0923. KU gets the dub. K-State loses. Wichita State loses. If you have any Sports takes from this past weekend. Drop them on the text line at 316-247-0923. You can also chime in on social media, ESPN Wichita on Facebook, on Twitter slash X, on Instagram. Like and follow all of those different pages. For starters, we have great digital content coming from all those different pages. But also on top of that, you never know when we might do a certain giveaway and we always have giveaways going on here at ESPN Wichita because we want to thank you, the listener. You're the reason why we are Wichita sports leader. So if you have any interest in winning some concert tickets or some tickets to a sporting event, Wichita State has a couple home games this week. Continue to listen to the show and continue to follow all of our stuff on social media. 316-669-4996. Apparently, we have someone on the line, a guy by the name of Daniel who is on the line who has a riddle about KU and Shockers basketball. I'm a little bit worried, Daniel, but what is on your mind, good sir? Okay, this is tongue-in-cheek, but uh, what Clint Eastwood Western is like uh, KU, K-State, and Wichita, Wichita State basketball? Oh, no. <laughs> what? Hope it's radio-friendly. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I appreciate that. So who? let me guess. KU was the good this past weekend. Wichita State was the ugly, I'm assuming, is what you're saying? Yep. Good stuff, Daniel. That was great. I really appreciate that, Daniel. Thank you so much for calling. Thanks for being a part of the show. I, that's a good one. I, funny enough, I remember a long time ago when I was in Topeka working at 580 WWW, 
I have a, a I have a wonderful person in my life. His name's Jake Labon, who's no longer part of this industry. He was my boss in Topeka. And Jake had a segment every single day. I'm not even sure if it was every single week. I think it was every single day where it was the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I guess you can certainly make that case for Wichita State's KU and even K-State. Where does K-State fall in that as well? Appreciate you, Daniel. Thank you so much for doing that. 316-669-4996 is the number of the call. If you don't want to call, text line 247-0923. Well, since you brought up the fact that there's good, bad, and ugly, let's start with the good. And then we'll transition to the ugly slash bad. Let's start with KU basketball getting the W at Oklahoma. Rejoice, KU fans, because the Kansas Jayhawks, they were able to get a road win. That's been a rarity this year for this KU basketball team. KU does take down Oklahoma, 67-57, to down to Norman. Oklahoma led at halftime, 34-29, and many people are probably wondering, oh boy, here we go, is this a different day but the same story? And I thought the same way as what you all were thinking, and that is, here we go. KU is going to lose again on the road. KU is going to lose on the road once again. Kansas is going to have six losses, go to seven and six in conference play. And it still will be a, a very tough challenge for them to win a, a Big 12 championship. They're still not out of it yet. They still have a chance. And it very well could hinge on what happens tonight with Houston in Iowa State, but KU is going to have to win out, and that's going to be incredibly difficult for this Kansas team. The Jayhawks were able to get back Kevin McCuller. We saw that news on Saturday. I brought up the hypothetical, what if Bill Self decides to rest Kevin McCuller until Big 12 tournament play, then you bring him back, he's fully healthy, and then you can make that postseason run that we are all accustomed to seeing with the Crimson and Blue. But Kevin McCuller, he played. He was 4-14 for the field, though, down in Norman. He finished with 10 points, had eight rebounds, didn't have an assist. He had three turnovers. Kevin McCuller just still doesn't look like he's there. Now, maybe it could be the fact that he has been playing on a regular basis, so maybe that's why he didn't shoot the ball particularly well against Oklahoma. But, again, is it worth it to have Kevin McCuller at this point? Or is it more valuable to have him in the postseason? I would argue, Jack would argue, that Kevin McCuller in the postseason is way more valuable than Kevin McCuller at this stage against Oklahoma. Now, it's better to have 35 minutes from him, which I guess is another positive because he was able to withstand some of the, the shots that he took, some of the normal wear and tear that you get during a basketball game. You didn't have to have Nick Timberlake out there for longer than 10 minutes, who, by the way, went over one. Marco Jackson only had four minutes logged for the game as well. You feel better with Kevin McCuller than probably those two guys, but I'm still in this corner of of saying you need to have some of those guys, Marco Jackson, Nick Timberlake. I know the bench is bad, but you hope that those guys can just get some confidence because you're probably going to need them once you get to the NCAA tournament. At least that would be my assumption. 
The beautiful part is Hunter Dickinson returned to form. He had 20 points and 16 rebounds. He looked good, and that was one of our keys of the game, brought to you by Schofield Hondo. We do it every Friday. One of the keys for me for KU was to pound away with Hunter Dickinson. Sam Godwin, uh, not quite as strong around the rim, attacked him. KU was able to do that very successfully inside Allen Fieldhouse against Oklahoma, able to pound them time and time again. While Oklahoma might be a team known for its size over the last couple of years, that's not the case for OU this year under Portal Mosier. Yes, it's, it's not Portal, it's Porter. I'm just saying Portal because I know Ian's listening to the show. Shout out Ian, he's the one that gave him that, that title. They are a much smaller team and a team that can run and gun, a team that can get out and about. And when you have that advantage, you should probably capitalize as much as you can. And that's what happened. Now, with Kevin McCullough being back, there were some better angles for, for Hunter Dickinson. He was able to capitalize with some more space. That's what you want to see from Hunter Dickinson. He needed to return to his All-American form, and he did in the game against Oklahoma. Dewan Harris Jr. finished with 11. He had seven assists and no turnovers. One of his better games this year. When he reached 11 points, when he got the double figures, it was brought up right away. It was brought up right away. Hey, once he gets to 10 points or more, then KU doesn't lose many games when he reaches that point. He looked good. For KU. And again, Dewan Harris Jr. needs to be one of those guys. If Kevin McCuller is going to shoot like this, well, someone's got to pick up the slack. Helps when Johnny Furphy also goes 5 of 8 from the field, finished with 15 points and 9 rebounds, 3 steals for Johnny Furphy, who is, is getting more comfortable. While he is still a little bit of a liability defensively, he's starting to get tougher. And he's starting to get the feel of things. With him being a freshman, I know Shane was talking to Matt Tate. I believe it was Matt Tate he was talking about. Hey, freshmen tend to hit this wall at this point in the season, which certainly can't be true. And freshmen sometimes don't get over the hump. But also, freshmen also become almost like sophomores at this stage in the game where you've had plenty of opportunities and plenty of reps to get comfortable. That's what you're seeing with Johnny Furphy who just continues to excel with whatever he does. K.J. Adams, 3-6 from the field, 9 points. But, hey, I'd rather see him with 6 shot attempts than with 14. Kevin McCuller should be the one that is taking 14 shots. Now, some of the shots in the 14 that Kevin McCuller had, certainly some questionable shots. A couple times you can just see him force it, but that will take time as he tries to get back into the swing of things. The one thing that was really hard to watch, especially if you're an Oklahoma fan, the Sooners, they could not throw it in the ocean. They only had four buckets in the second half. They were great from the free throw line, 14 to 15, and that's what kept Oklahoma in the game. The Sooners were just four of 22 from the field in the second half for 18%. And yet KU still had to rally to, to try to, fend off Oklahoma down the stretch. I was just waiting for Oklahoma to get that shot to happen. Is a three ball going to fall for Otega Owe? Is J.V. McCollum 
going to, to knock down a couple of triples. Who well, I felt like had a great game. Who's going to be a guy that comes out of nowhere that's going to make a couple of shots, like maybe a, a guy like Uzan, who was 3 of 12 from the field. Maybe he knocks in four threes, including three down the stretch for Oklahoma. Those shots never happened. They never fell. Part of it is KU's defense, but also part of it is Oklahoma just didn't make some shots. And for KU, you do feel fortunate, but hey, you're going to go back to to Lawrence and you're going to feel pretty good about the fact that you just picked up another conference win on the road. KU needed that mentally more so than anything else, just mentally for it to happen. And hey, for once, Oklahoma shot 35% from beyond the arc, which isn't all that terrible, but it's not like the 40% or some of the higher numbers that we've seen from teams against Kansas when KU's on the road playing in their building. We've seen KU get plagued by that all throughout the year, teams just being locked in. So KU gets the W by 10, 67-57. Got to feel good about that one. And that certainly was a good of the weekend in college athletics. 316-247-0923. If you have thoughts on KU, let us know. We'll get to Wichita State in a moment. I know Daniel made the joke about Wichita State, but we'll save the Shockers for a segment and it's a in itself coming up here in just a little bit. I got to sneak in K-State, though. Another heartbreaker for Jerome Tang and this K-State team. The Wildcats fall by 375-72 to TCU. You can view this game really in a couple different ways. You could say the Horned Frogs showed a good amount of, of grit and determination to fight back from a double-digit deficit to win an important road game in the Big 12. Or you could simply say K-State lost the game. Jameer Nelson Jr. drained a desperation three to clinch the victory with 1.1 seconds remaining. A lot of Wildcat fans, I know I've been seeing Wildcat fans on social media, all talking about how K-State let this one slip through their fingers. And that's probably my approach for this game against TCU because TCU at the beginning, the Horned Frogs, it appeared that they just didn't have it for a little bit. And K-State never seemed to really pounce on the opportunity in half number one. TCU just didn't hang on to the ball all that well. They weren't making shots. A little out of sorts defensively, and you're thinking, all right, K-State very well could be- build a double-digit lead at halftime. But TCU was able to hang around and only trailed by four at the break, 28-24. And you're thinking, all right, we shot below 30% from the floor and half number one. We only made one three-pointer out of six tries in the first 20 minutes. Things are going to be different in the second half. We're going to be able to make some shots, force some turnovers. Well, the TCU Horn Frogs, they were down by 10 in the first half. But they came back later. TCU pulled ahead in the second half, or in case they pulled ahead in the second half, I should say, 49-41. And then TCU came all the way back with a lengthy run, 20-2 run by TCU. K-State did refuse to quit, forced TCU to make plays in the final seconds to win the game, but the Wildcats could have easily avoided 
being in that position to begin with. And I know if you talk to Chance here at the station, Chance is a diehard K-State guy. He doesn't like second-half Tyler Perry. He would like to see a, a full game Tyler Perry. I'm right there with him. You know what's really odd? TCU's the one that made the, the game-winning shot with 1.1 seconds left. It almost felt like while watching that game, though, that you still felt like K-State would find a way to win, right? That's been K-State's MO pretty much the entire season inside Bramlage Coliseum. You always felt like K-State would find a way to get the W. They didn't play at their very best against Oklahoma State at home, but they wound up beating Oklahoma State. They didn't play at their very best uh, against a few other teams, and they still found ways to win. They would get the shot to fall. I mean, shoot, there for a little bit, we saw overtime game after overtime game, and K-State still just found ways to win. It was a little weird to see that the other team in purple, the road team in purple with TCU, would be the one to hit the game-winning shot. But K-State, they just they just have these scoring droughts, and it's been a problem all throughout the year. They, they jumped out to a 14-4 lead. TCU was unable to get out of transition. Score easy buckets. Jamie Dixon call a timeout midway through the first half to try to turn things around. K-State a chance to put your foot on the gas pedal. But the Wildcats were, were unable to sustain their hot start. It went nice cold. They didn't score a single point over the next five minutes and 45 seconds of game action. And that allowed TCU to fight back and take the lead. And then there was another scoring drought in the second half for the K-State Wildcats. They just have these scoring droughts that are just hard to overcome. Super hard to overcome. And while Tyler Perry was great in the second half, Tyler Perry just needs to be that guy who can play a full game. And hey, he got to the free throw line 12 times, which that's something that, that we've been talking about for a long time. We've been clamoring for him to get to the free throw line, get downhill, go to the rim. Don't just settle on step back threes and being that guy. And by the way, Tyler Perry, he was 0 for 6 from beyond the arc. K-State didn't make a three in the second half, and K-State was 1 of 15 from deep. And maybe that's where, if you're a K-State fan, maybe there's a little silver lining in the fact that, hey, we didn't make a a single three-pointer in the second 20 minutes of action, and yet we only lose by three on a desperation heave. I guess if that game goes into overtime, I think we can already pencil in that K-State would get the win, considering Jerome Tang is 11-0 in overtime as head coach of the K-State Wildcats. But it always seems like there's there's one guy who has a good game, maybe two, but K-State can't find that third or fourth guy to have a great game. Cam Carter was 1-7 from the field with four turnovers. Arthur Kaluma got in the double figures, but he was 3 of 11. David Gasson had a great game. He was 5 of 6 from the floor for 12 points. Will McNair Jr. added 9. I'll take a combined 21 from those two guys. But this K-State team, Tyler Perry might have done well in the second half, but no one else to really help them in terms of Arthur Kaluma or Cam Carter. Those three guys are going to have to click if K-State is going to have a chance to win a game. And now for the Wildcats, you look at what K-State has left coming up. The Wildcats, you felt 
pretty good. Hey, if they get this win after picking up a W not too long ago, they beat Kansas in overtime, you're feeling great. But your last three losses, your last four losses, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, BYU, and TCU, and now you have Texas coming up tonight down in Austin. This is a huge game for K-State. cannot be stated anymore. This is a monstrous game for the K-State Wildcats. If they want to stay alive and potentially make the NCAA tournament, I don't know if they're going to have enough, though. Because right now, sitting at 5-7 and seven in Big 12 play, 15-10 and 10 overall, it's a tough, tough hill to climb. But if they get a win tonight, hey, you feel like you're right back in it, and then you have back-to-back home games against BYU and West Virginia. Maybe you can right the ship a little bit. But for K-State, that was a heartbreaker on Saturday, and they've had some tough ones throughout the year. BYU never really showed up. Losing at Oklahoma State still stings. You lose by 20 to Oklahoma. Houston, it is what it is. Iowa State, it is what it is. At least those are a couple of good teams. And I'm not saying TCU is a bad team. There are a few truly bad teams in the Big 12 Conference. But at 5-7, Jerome Tang feels like if you get the nine wins, you should be in the NCAA tournament. But if that's the case... You have six games remaining, and you're going to have to win at least three of them, win half of them in order to get the eight, and you got to win four to get the nine. Lots of work to be done for the K-State Wildcats who suffer another loss in heartbreaking fashion, 75-72 falling to the TCU Horned Frogs. 316-247-0923. Feel free to chime in here in hour number one. That is the text line number. We'd love to hear from you here today. KU, the good from the weekend. Maybe you can argue just the bad is K-State, but in the eyes of Daniel, he feels like maybe it was the ugly for Wichita State and a loss to Charlotte yesterday. We'll get into that, but we'll also talk about some of the good with Wichita State's There was some good for the Shockers. It wasn't on the hardwood, but away from the hardwood, there was some actual good results. Baseball officially kicked off the season in style. Wichita State softball getting a major win. We'll get into that coming up next as we continue the broadcast here inside our Riverfront Stadium studio. This is The Pulse on ESPN Wichita. It's always interesting when we have a fill-in producer for Jack. You just never know what bumps we will get. Can't say I've heard this one. This is more Moby. This is more Moby. See, this sounds like Moby. See? That sounds like Moby. Yeah, it does. <laughs> the song that you gave Shane <laughs> didn't sound yeah. like Moby. He didn't speak at all in that one. <laughs> No, he didn't. He just played one thing over and over again. But, yeah, this is good. I've heard this one before, actually. Now I get into the actual chorus here. What's up with you and Moby? 
You know what? I'm not sure. <laughs> you just naturally just randomly one day I'm yeah. going to play Moby. That's and my music taste. It, it, you know, it ebbs and flows. It's 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 rock one time. It's hip hop another. You know. <laughs> It's almost like the Black Eyed Peas. You don't even know what I'm referencing there. You're not an office oh, yeah, fan, probably. I know no, who Black Eyed Peas are, yeah, of course. I know, but you haven't seen. You probably don't know what I'm referencing from The Office, though. The Office. So Robert California, I'm oh, talking about the Black Eyed Peas. That's right. He goes, the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, I'm so sick and tired of the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> They're hip-hop for those that don't like hip-hop. They're pop for those that don't like pop. They're rock for those who don't like rock. It was a great way to describe the Black Eyed Peas. That was pretty good. I should have known that. I've seen The Office several times. That's my fault. <laughs> I'm pretty obscure, though, when I pick out some quotes. Shane and Jack talk about it all the time. They always go, where did you get that line from? And it's, I don't know, man. They get filed away in this weird filing cabinet in my brain. And they just come out when needed. I don't know, man. It's just weird. Okay, coming up here soon, we'll have our Beast of the Week. I'll let Kyle get in on the fun. Kyle Collier filling in for Jack Johnson, who was in Surprise, Arizona. He had a report earlier today with Shane. Not going to have him here on the show today. He's a little bit busy. Our number two will feature Kansas City Chiefs talk. We'll dive a little bit into the offseason plan for the Kansas City Chiefs. They made a move this past weekend. I don't think it was a surprising move, and I don't know if it's gaining any headlines, but I do think we need to talk about it a little bit and just to throw out some stuff out there. After that, we'll have Royals audio from Surprise, Arizona. You'll hear from Matt Quatrero and others as well. This is why I love bringing up The Office. 316-247-0923. Coming from the text line, you don't even know Robert's real name. He's the Lizard King. <laughs> the thing is, he doesn't say he's the Lizard King. He adds an extra word that I am not able to relay. If you want to start a street fight with me, <laughs> appreciate you, Texter. 316-247-0923. You're almost going to get me to derail from the show and skip Wichita State Talk. His oh, real name you is now, Bob. Kyle. I know that. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> isn't that what he says when he meets the when he meets David Wallace yep. who takes over the company. David Wallace walks in and he reveals the real name. <laughs> that's not his real name though. He just makes it up, doesn't he? You know what? That, maybe that's a question left for the audience. I think he. I think he just makes it up. Is it Bob Kazamakis or something? Like Kazamakis that? or something like that? Yeah, that was good. Ah, see. Yeah, look at this text slide, Bob Casamakis. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm glad that we have some other office fans. Big fan, big fan. And I'm sure we have some Wichita State fans listening to the show. Daniel kicked off the show by asking me a riddle, telling me a riddle, what Clint Eastwood film describes KU in Wichita State, the good, the bad, and the ugly. One can only assume that he means the ugly for Wichita State. You can make an argument that maybe K-State was uglier, but for Wichita State, the Shockers, they just continue to struggle on the road. And by the way, earlier today we had the voice of the Shockers, Mike Kennedy, stop on by. 
Mike was in good spirits, and him and Shane were talking about the Shockers, but more so going over the health update with Mike Kennedy. And I'm glad he was all smiles, always good running into Mike. But now it's only going to make me smile even more every time I see him going forward because we know the battle that he's up against. But if there's ever a guy that can beat prostate cancer, it would certainly be Mike Kennedy, Iron Mike. I told him, hey, Iron Mike, I know is known for Mike Tyson, but Mike Tyson ain't getting nothing on you, my man, because the guy has done so many games for so many years. I respect his career and, and his efforts so much. He is one of the, the, the pillars of the broadcasting industry. Anywho, if you missed that, you can always go back and listen on the podcast page on ESPNWichita.com. But back to the Shockers and their eighth straight road loss, 72-61 to Charlotte at the Halton Arena. At least this was a better showing for Wichita State. I know some Shocker fans going, who cares? It's still a loss. But against East Carolina, it was just a no-show for Wichita State. Truly, it was a no-show. Maybe the Shockers did well for the first eight minutes, but the final 32, they looked dreadful. They took a major step back in my eyes. At least it felt like in other games they were within one possession with four minutes to go. It felt like you were close. Against East Carolina, you never felt like you were close. Never really felt like that you were in the game. Against Charlotte maybe in some ways kind of felt the same in some ways. At least there was a little bit of a rally for Wichita State because the the Shockers, they were able to climb back a little bit. I think they got it to within six at one point. Now Charlotte kept things at bay after the 7.30 mark because the Shockers got them within got to within six at 58-52, but Charlotte then responded and found a way to hold off Wichita State to get the W. And look, Charlotte's been really good at, in its home building this year at 12-1 and now on the season. So it's not like many teams are going to Charlotte, North Carolina and coming away with wins. In fact, that's really the MO for lots of, of conferences out there. Winning on the road is just incredibly tough. In the Big 12, it has been noted in the American Athletic Conference. In some ways, it's also been a little bit of a journey. But Wichita State, give a little bit of credit to at least get back to within striking distance with seven and a half to play. But once again, the Shocker team just having a tough time finishing. And maybe when you're down by double figures, you use all your energy just to get to a certain point. And then once you get to that point and you run out of gas – it becomes incredibly challenging to find a way to pull out the W. So Wichita State may be a little bit better in my eyes, but still a loss. And it's not like they were within one possession with four minutes to play either. That's Again, that's been the thing that you at least hang your hat on and a team that's still fighting and clawing. But Paul Mills, in his first season, we knew it would be a challenge. At least I knew it would be a challenge. And it certainly has been a challenging season for the Shockers as they wrap up the trip out to North Carolina with a couple of losses, one to East Carolina and one to Charlotte. Individually, Quincy Ballard had 11 points on five of six shooting. Xavier Bell had 16 points. The real issue for Wichita State was Colby Rogers 
getting into foul trouble. He had four fouls in the game. He only played 17 minutes. And if your top scorer, your top shooter, isn't going to be available for more than half the game, the fact that Wichita State, I guess, was within even six, was seven and a half to play, that in itself might have been a miracle. But if Colby Rogers is only going to like 17 minutes in a game, your chances of winning are incredibly slim. 4-14 from beyond the arc, not great for the Shockers, but also for Charlotte, the 49ers were 5-13 of from the field. It's just the difference really in this game, not only overall shooting-wise from the floor, but at the free-throw line there was a pretty big difference. 17-23 of from the charity stripe for Charlotte, for Wichita State just 7-16. of And that is part of the Shockers' troubled season. They haven't been able to put everything together. While they might be able to shoot great from beyond the arc, they might turn the ball over, or they might not hit free throws. They might make free throws incredibly well, but shooting-wise from deep, not great. The defense hasn't been great. There have been multiple things along the way over the course of an entire season that have cost Wichita State games. Turnovers for a couple of them. The inability to make three three-pointers, not being able to rebound at times. That was the problem against East Carolina. Wichita State got bullied on the boards, and that was really surprising considering what Wichita State has in its arsenal. They've had moments where they might have an area that was good, but there are another three area areas that have been bad, and that's been the reason why it's been such a, a problematic season for Wichita State. Can the Shockers recover with back-to-back home games, three of the next four being inside the roundhouse? You hope for just a strong finish at this point. You just hope now for the final five games, you take on Tulsa, a team that you led by double digits before. You take on Temple in a game, if I recall correctly, in Philadelphia where I believe Temple was up by double figures and Wichita State came all the way back. You have UAB, which is a a newcomer in the conference. You're playing UAB for the first time. Then you have Rice. Then you have Tulane. Tulane is is for sure, I would argue, the toughest out of the group that's left there for the Wichita State Shockers. But the American, it's been very clear this year, while there are a lot of good teams, I don't think there's one truly a great team that, that just stands out amongst the rest that is by far and away the team that's going to get a win against whoever. We thought maybe Memphis was that way. We thought Florida Atlantic was going to be that way, but that has not been the case. South Florida has had a terrific season. Question is, can the Bulls finish the job? That's the other question there. At least for the Shockers, the next four games, what can you do here? Can you string together something in the next four, maybe get that swing game against Tulane, going into the American Athletic Conference Championship Tournament, and then maybe you can make some noise. That's the goal right now for Paul Mills in this Shocker men's basketball program. Wichita State now 10-16 and 16 overall, 2-11. and 11. And the American 1-9 away from Coke Arena. It's been a challenge for sure. Meanwhile, elsewhere for Wichita State, I do want to bring up some of these others here. And I guess... I can probably note that the beast of the week might belong to Wichita State baseball. 
and Brian Green. Brian Green, the new head coach at Wichita State, made his debut this past weekend as the Shocker baseball team takes two of three from Little Rock in Arkansas, 18-5 to being the final score in the opener, 14-zip in the second game on Saturday, and then yesterday a tough one, a 5-4 defeat to Little Rock. 18-5, though, to open your coaching stint at a new school, I think people will take that. I know a lot of people were commenting on the hats, the ball caps that Wichita State was able to rock with a baseball woo. I texted Shane. I'm like, this is the best hat. I would like th- I would like that hat. That would be great. Yeah, Wichita State was able to just dominate the 18 runs, the most Wichita State has scored in a season opener since 1991 when the Shockers pummeled St. Louis 28-4. to And, gee, I wonder who might know a thing or two about that game. <laughs> I think Shane Dennis might know a thing or two about that walloping back in the day. Caden Favors had a solid start for Wichita State. Seth Stroh had a monstrous two-run homer in the third in that game, 490-footer. Think about that for a moment. 490-foot moonshot from Seth Stroh. Pretty impressive. And then, Brian Green, what happens on day number two? A 14-0 blanking of Little Rock. Six runs coming in the seventh to truly break the game open for the Wichita State Shockers. Daniel Zhang, he had six shutout innings in that outing for him. Spectacular in his Shocker debut. He limited the Trojans to just three singles over six spotless innings. Strike out eight, issued two walks. Not bad. And then yesterday, Wichita State just didn't have that one big hit that the Shockers absolutely needed. But a good start for Brian Green. Let's see what happens this weekend, though, in the uh, Jacks College Baseball Classic in Jacksonville, Virginia, Auburn, and Iowa. Those are the three schools that Wichita State is facing this weekend at 1-11-11. That will be a big one. We'll see. Maybe they can surprise everyone and take two or three. And if they do, you'll probably raise your eyebrow a little bit and go, okay, maybe this team is for real under Brian Green. And then lastly, for Wichita State softball, as we get set to make the transition to our Beast of the Week, and then we'll dive into some other stuff in our number two Wichita State down in Mexico did lose to Clemson and Auburn, but they beat a top 25 team, a top 20 team in South Carolina, 6-5, to and it was all made possible with Bailey Urban, who was able to come up big in that one. She was monstrous for the Wichita State Shockers, ended up getting a couple of RBI in the outing. She's the one that laced the two-run double over the head of the left fielder to put Wichita State on top, 6-5. to five. And the Shockers were able to do just enough. They had four runs in the seventh inning. Four runs in the seventh in order to get the win over South Carolina. Job well done for Wichita State softball and baseball. Getting a couple thrilling wins. And that's certainly the good for the Wichita State Shockers from this past weekend. 
316-247-0923. Hey, the text line's not made for just office references. Although, if you want to continue to give me references from the office, I'd be more than happy to talk about the office. But, hey, when we return, we got to do our Beast of the Week. I'll let Kyle Collier get in on the fun. Who stood out to him this past weekend slash this past week? We'll get into that next as we wrap up our number one here on The Pulse. Is this still Moby? <laughs> Led Zeppelin, but the song is uh, Moby Dick. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> oh, man. You're just having fun, aren't you? You're just having the time of your life. <laughs> That's right. Incredible. All right. We are nearing the end of hour number one. Hope you've had some fun. College basketball heavy in hour number one. We'll switch gears and essentially talk about Kansas City in hour number two. The Kansas City Chiefs last week, we all know about the parade and everything like that. We're going to turn the page and take a look at the offseason for the Chiefs. And it starts with the decision that was made this past weekend that doesn't surprise anyone, but it might add... I don't know, complications maybe? We'll explain here in just a little bit. 325 or so, we'll have the Royals audio from Surprise, Arizona. Our very own Jack Johnson is in Surprise, Arizona, calling, or not calling, covering spring training baseball. So we'll have all the wonderful audio. Matt Quatrero from earlier today will get you ready for some baseball, which is just around the corner. Wichita Wind Surge tickets going on sale February 29th, by the way, if you're interested in Wind Surge baseball. And your home for the Wichita Wind Surge is right here on Wichita Sports Leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. So, Kyle, there's this thing called Beast of the Week, and we highlight certain individuals, certain performances, that were eye-popping from the past week or the past weekend. So I guess I'll let you do the honors if you have anyone in mind. And if you don't, no big deal. I'm leading off. You're batting lead off, my, my good friend. Perfect. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I want to bring you back to last Thursday, uh, February 15th. A young lady by the name of Caitlin Clark needed eight points mm. to secure or to break the record uh, for – uh, scoring in women's basketball. Um, eight points she needed. She ended that game with 49 and 13 assists, shooting 50% from the field. So not bad. Yeah, 23 the in thing. the first quarter, which is Here's ridiculous. the thing. Do you, do, you know the girl, do you know the name Lynette Woodard, by the way? I do, a former Kansas Jayhawk. Yeah. You know, she's still the all-time leader. <laughs> it's just not recognized by the NCAA. Why not? You know that? Uh, because there was no three-point line? So, I don't want to get into uh, into it right now because I know we got to come up to the top of the hour. We got a hard break, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I know we got to get going. But Lynette Woodard, the the reason why it wasn't. Let me double check here. I want to make sure I'm giving you the right things here. Oh, I got to go back and look. It was during the time period. It was the AIAW era of college basketball. I gotcha. 
So a little bit different. Just had to make sure I had that correct. But it was a little bit different back then. Yeah. People technically, she's technically the leading scorer. But it's different because it's not technically recognized by the NCAA. She is the unofficial major college basketball's career women's scoring leader due to the NCAA not recognizing stats from the AIAW. So there you go. Such a shame. And since we're running running out of time, just got to say, Seth Strill, if you can hit a 490-foot bomb, <laughs> some tells me you were a beast that day. 490 feet. That's pretty absurd. And, hey, good for Brian Green and company to get 203 against Little Rock. All right, well, that's our Beast of the Week here on The Pulse in ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. So coming your way in hour number two, we will dive into the Kansas City Chiefs. There was a move made this past weekend, and it doesn't involve coaches. It involves a player, which, again, I think it's probably pretty regular for this to happen, which is why I don't think there are a ton of people talking about it, but I do feel like we do need to start unpacking what the Chiefs are going to do in the offseason. They have... Some very tough decisions that they're going to have to make. And it all starts with this one individual. 325, we'll get into some Royals audio with Matt Quatrero. We have some players from training camp as well from Surprise, Arizona. Our very own Jack Johnson bringing us that content. And then a Mount Rushmore Monday to wrap it up. That does it for hour number one. Stay tuned. Hour number two is straight ahead here on The Pulse on ESPN Wichita.